We are in the middle of our series called to repent. One of the attributes that God wants us to have is repentance, okay? We've been through obedience, perseverance. Now we're talking about repentance. And uh, today, I'm proud to have Tim Vibbert here. He's going to come and talk to us about a guy that went, went from repentance to reconciliation, okay? Sometimes to be reconciled, all the time to be reconciled, if you have a dispute, right? You have to repent. You have to apologize to someone you may have wronged, okay? So today, Tim Vibber's going to come up and he's going to talk to us about John Mark, repentance to reconciliation. Tim? Good morning, guys. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, we ask you to interrupt the violence in the Ukraine. Keep those in harm's way safe and touch the hearts of everyone in that part of the world and have them turn toward you. Jesus, we ask that your spirit fill this place with your presence. May the words that I speak be your words your words that you want these men to hear today. May we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to respond. Oh. So, about a year and a half ago, Jesse and I did a um, series for Men of God, and we titled it Unsung Heroes. So when Michael asked me to talk about John Mark, John Mark was one of those unsung heroes that we talked about in that session. So, so John Mark, most people know him as Mark. He wrote the, uh, his account of the gospel story around 55 AD, 55 to 59 AD. But who was he? He was the son of a woman named Mary, whose house that Peter went to after escaping prison. And we learned that in Acts 12, 12. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had gathered for prayer. Mark's account of the gospel story is a bit different than the other three. His account focuses on Christ's public ministry and acts more so than his teaching. Acts 12.25 and also in 13.5 describe that Mark accompanied Saul, who later becomes Paul, and Barnabas in their travels together. When Barnabas and Saul finished their mission in Jerusalem, they returned taking John Mark with them. And 13.5 says, there in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Mark doesn't always start out his companionship with Paul in a good light. 
on one of their trips uh, in Acts 15, 36 to 39, we learned that Paul and Barnabas sailed to the island of Cyprus. While there, they encounter a sorcerer who actually has the ear of the governor. And he tells them um, not to listen to Paul and Barnabas. But Paul rebukes the, uh, the sorcerer, the demon within the sorcerer, by blinding him. With this act, the governor becomes a follower of Christ. But for some reason, which we're not told for sure, Mark decides to leave the work to return home. It's probably because he was young. He's left the comfort of his home and wanted to return because he saw the difficulty it was to spread the good news, the hardship he was going to face. He wasn't ready for that. But this puts Paul in a bind because as we see in Acts 36 to 39, it talks about Paul and Barnabas having to split. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them. Paul didn't. So they end up going their separate ways. Mark goes with his cousin Barnabas, and Paul selects Silas to go with him. So now you've got two sets of disciples going out, which really is a good thing. Because instead of one team, now you've got two. Instead of one team going to one area of the world, you've got two different teams going to two different areas. So you've got a grassroots exponential growth of the good news being carried to the other parts of the earth. So was this the end? So think about it. How would you like to be known as the person who caused one of the earliest and most major splits in the church? I wouldn't want to be known that. We can only speculate that Mark had sought forgiveness from Paul. He granted him forgiveness and then reconciled their relationship years later. And we learn this in Philemon 24, where it talks about Mark and Demas and Luke being co-workers of Paul. Now, Paul's in prison here. Also in Timothy 4.11, um, Paul writes, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you. You come, or when you come, for he would be helpful to me in my ministry. So Mark had repented, asked Paul for forgiveness. Paul forgave him. They reconciled that relationship. And by doing so, Paul became a disciple of, or Mark became a disciple of Paul and helped spread that ministry. Bear with me here. 
This is actually direct contrast of another unsung hero who started out well, but did not finish well. So Paul started out not so good, finishes up well. And Demas is the, quite the opposite. He started out well, but did not end well. We were given the gift of reconciliation. Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation through his work on that sacred tree, on the cross. Our relationship with Father Creator was broken and we needed to be reconciled. And we see that in Romans 5.10. Which says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So while we were separated from Christ, he went to the cross, died for our salvation, reconciled that broken relationship. Through Christ's gracious gift, we can be reconciled. Colossians 1, 19 and 20, it reads, for since our friendship, hang on, for God in all of his faithfulness was pleased to live in Christ. Through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So without the shed blood of an innocent lamb on the cross, we would to this day still be separated from God. Many people have read the book of Ephesians, in particular chapter two. The first part of the, of the chapter deals with us being brought to life through the never-ending mercy and grace and love of Christ. And this is actually when Teospe was formed, this was the, actually the chapter we kind of focused in on. We focused in on Ephesians 2, but the, really the third part of that chapter, verses 19 and 20, where it talks about you are no longer foreigners. You have been reconciled brought into Christ as one body, one church, with Christ as a chief cornerstone of that church. But if you really look closely at the middle part of that chapter, verses 11 through 18, in there it speaks of how everyone has been united, reconciled to Creator and each other into a single godly race through the finished work on the cross. And this is kind of what Cedric was talking about on Sunday. Everyone being reconciled into one body, into the church. There's no Greek, no Jew, no white or black. There's no native, no Asichu. I had to throw it in. <laughs> I had to throw it in. 
Um, but we're all one body, one church. Uh, there's a book by Richard Twist. It's entitled One Church, Many Tribes. And it gives his life story and how he came to Christ, being a full-blood native, being full-blood Dakota even, and how he found Christ and then pulled him out of the despair he was in without losing his native identity, his native culture, which was actually the total opposite of what they had been taught. For me, reconciliation actually is something dear because on one of our trips early on, things had happened that not only threatened relationships of people who had shared life together for years, but it really didn't reflect Christ to the people we were serving. And I must admit, I did not handle that situation very good at all. And it took praying for wisdom and a hard look at really what had happened. And I came to the realization that we were in the thick of a spiritual battle that the enemy knew that we were beginning on a journey of the path of following Christ, sharing the good news, meeting the immediate needs of the neglected, marginalized Native American community. So some years pass before I was presented the opportunity to reconcile my relationship with uh, some of those on the trip. Now this didn't mean that we were close, that we began sharing our lives um, again our lives actually took two different paths but that still does not mean that we cannot be reconciled rebuild that relationship because we are still brothers in Christ we sometimes have struggles in our personal relationships and this is how we can apply it to our lives or your lives in those relationships, things are said, things are done that cause emotional and sometimes even physical harms, but definitely create ruin, wounds and rifts. Although it's hard, we are called to forgive and reconcile those relationships. No one said that becoming a follower of Christ, everything is going to be roses. It's actually the opposite. Following Christ is actually harder than living in the world. We cannot control the actions of others, but we are responsible for our own actions and can be one, the one who initiates the healing of the relationship by being the minister of reconciliation. We have been given one mission. And that is to share the good news and reconcile others to Christ. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 5.18, where it says, And all this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. 
We are to take his teachings, his ways, and make disciples of all nations. And we're not going to do that 45 minutes a week. It's going to take full commitment to a lifestyle of following Christ, picking up that cross day by day and following him one step at a time. We'll close with this. Pray with me. Jesus, we come to you on our knees. And thanking you for being in our presence. Father, when you showed us how to pray, you say we are to forgive our debtors. May we forgive those who do us wrong. Seventy times seven times over. And reconcile any relationship that is broken in our lives. Gracious Creator, we pray the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Jesus, may we leave your fragrance everywhere we go. Whoever we meet today and throughout our life, may they see that we are disciples by the love that we show. Give us new eyes to see this world as you see it. May we not be the ones who ask the question, God, why don't you do something? Because you have done it already. You've done the something. You created us. May we shine in the darkness. Give us courage to truly be your hands and feet in this world. For it is in your name I pray. Oh. So, before we go to discussion, have you been reconciled? Have you been reconciled with Jesus Christ? Sometimes I get the feeling that maybe, maybe there's someone in this room who's ready to take that step and hasn't. Next week you're going to hear about a man that repented named Zacchaeus. A famous story, okay, in the Bible. But there could be someone in here today that came like Zacchaeus because they were curious about this Jesus. And, and, and the Lord telling me to give that person an opportunity. So let, let's pray for that person, okay? And if you're here, and, and remember, as I always say, it's not the words, it's not the words of the prayer that are the meaning, but it's, it's just the guide, but it's the condition of the heart. You, you've heard about reconciliation today, and, and maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit has challenged you and, you, and you've been thinking about Jesus, but you've never made that step and accepted his reconciliation. You don't have to do anything. I love the quote. I love it. I've been thinking of it all week. <clears throat> that Phil Morgan said from Jonathan Edwards, 
when he said, we contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that made it necessary. How heavy is that? And it's so true. So if you're that man, and there's no pressure, but if you're that man, would you bow your heads? And would, would all of us that have that relationship with Christ and are reconciled, may we ask forgiveness for the areas that we have fallen. But can we bow our heads? If you're that one man in here today that has never, ever made that commitment and called on Christ for your personal Savior, God is calling you to do that now. With heads bowed, I pray, Father, that you would just touch someone's heart that needs to hear from you for the first time. And if you are that person, just, just ask them, Father, pour your heart out. Father, I know that I am a sinner. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what Romans tells us. We are all sinners. Confess that to him. Father, I know that I am a sinner and have sinned against you. And yet I want to make my relationship right with you, Father. Tell him that. Father, I know that I need a Savior. And I believe now that Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior. Father, please send Jesus, pray that, please send Jesus into my life to live in my heart, to be my Savior and Lord. Father, I accept that free gift of salvation. I accept the fact Jesus' death on the cross has paid my debt of sin in full. And dear Lord Jesus, from this day on, pray it. I want to live my life for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to be a true follower of you. Now my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Men, if you said that prayer for the first time today, hallelujah, tell your table leader, tell me, and just go further. Get a copy of God's Word. They're available if you don't have it. Get, get involved in the church. But I praise God if you said that prayer today because you are now a child of God. Thank you, guys. You can go to discussion. There's some discussion questions up there. And see you next week.